Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, July 30th, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 180th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please make sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. Tom Cazola from Locked On Oilers, Jack Bushman from Locked On Blackhawks, joining you once again for our crossover series here on the Locked On NHL Podcast Network. And Jack, the Blackhawks were in action on Wednesday afternoon. They took on their rivals from St. Louis. The end result is a 4-0 Blackhawks victory. What were some of the takeaways that you uh, you gleaned from that game? Because I'm not going to lie to you. I watched it, and I watched those Hawks, and I was like, not bad, not bad, pretty good. <laughs> right? It seemed like everything kind of just went the Hawks' way yesterday. Not only the final score of 4 nothing, but we also saw them go. Uh, they cashed in for two power play goals. Dominic Kubelik scored both of them, which was great to see. I talked a little bit on the past couple episodes about how they were going to give Kubelik an extended look on that top power play unit, and it worked out pretty well. He cashed in for two power play goals yesterday. And also the Hawks killed off all four of their penalties that they took. And three of those penalties were taken by David Kampf and Calvin DeHaan, frequent penalty killers for the Blackhawks. So they got the job done without those guys on the ice against a strong power play uh, in the St. Louis Blues. And they were able to do all the little things well. They were blocking shots, winning some faceoffs, uh, just making the easy plays. It seemed like they weren't trying to force anything, and they just simplified their game, and it worked out well for them. Came out came out with a 4 nothing victory over the division rival and defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. I couldn't be happier with the result, Tom. You just had to get that little St. Louis Blues defending Stanley Cup champion thing in there. I know, and it's rightfully so, rightfully so. Put that feather in your cap because that's <laughs> an important win going into the qualifying round series against the Oilers that starts on Saturday. And when you look at the tail of the tape, Jack, you know, the Blackhawks outshoot the Blues 23-21. Face-off battle, pretty much split down the middle, 51-49%. to uh, Penalty minutes, obviously, both teams taking four penalties. Uh, hits 31-19 in favor of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Block shots 16-10 for the Hawks. And then the giveaways 13-7. You know what? I usually toss away the giveaway stat because uh, depending on who's the official like, game. It's tough to record them all. Yeah, exactly. But you highlight what was truly the difference, and that is that power play going two for four and the PK going four for four. But a big part of that is goaltending. And I know talking to you all throughout the week and specifically yesterday, you brought up Corey Crawford a couple of times and rightly so. He gets into this game. He splits the net with Malcolm Subban. What did you see from Corey Crawford? Do you think that he's going to instill enough confidence in 30 minutes of work in the Blackhawks faithful? He was really strong, Tom. He stopped all 11 shots he faced in the first half of the contest. Definitely great to see after only a couple of practices since returning to Blackhawks training camp. And I thought he looked pretty comfortable for the most part. He made a couple big-time saves when the Hawks were shorthanded. Uh, he really stood his net, stood his ground well in net. And I think it was exactly what you could have hoped for, the best-case scenario out of Corey Crawford. He didn't allow a single goal. He was 
uh, facing the St. Louis Blues penalty kill a couple times in the first period and looked comfortable. So I think this instilled some confidence in not only Crawford probably, but also the Blackhawks fans heading into game one because I've talked about it a bunch. Crawford's going to have to be ready because you know Edmonton's going to throw all they got on him at him because they know he hasn't had many reps since returning to practice from his positive COVID-19 test. Right, and, and that's going to be interesting to see uh, um, if there's any lingering effects. I know we don't know a ton of stuff about COVID. We're learning more and more as we go on throughout this pandemic. But uh, maybe Corey Crawford, you know, if you're an Oiler fan, you're looking at it, you go, well, maybe there's some lingering effects. And, and you hope that uh, at some point Malcolm Subban has to see the net because although Malcolm Subban has a winning record this season, this is just my take on him. He's never really risen to the expectation that came in with his career in Boston and then of course in Vegas and then now with the Blackhawks so uh, we did see Malcolm Subban in yesterday's game Uh, was there anything that you liked about his game and you know would that help the Blackhawks fans to know that you know he looks like he's potentially sharp helping solidify this the shutout win that the Hawks got yesterday with Corey Crawford yeah, Subban, he looked all right for the most part. He made 10 saves himself. He came in and I think 30 seconds in, he made a nice shoulder save on a two-on-one. So he handled the role pretty well. And I think that does give the Blackhawks fans a little bit more confidence if he does have to make an appearance against the Oilers. Of course, that would probably be – it probably wouldn't go very well for the Hawks. And Subban, as you said, has never really risen to the occasion ever since being a first-round pick a handful of years ago. Um but he did play well, and that was cer- certainly encouraging to see if he does have to come in. But the Blackhawks uh, and their fans certainly want to see Corey Crawford for every minute of that series against Edmonton. It will make him feel a lot more comfortable. And I also want to uh, ask what's been going on with the Oilers goaltender situation. I've been seeing uh, who started in the exhibition game on Tuesday. Miko Koskinen, I thought Jack. so. I thought he did. And and I'll tell you this. I mean, both goalies actually look pretty good, and the lone goal was scored against Mike Smith. And – and you can make the case that that was goalie interference. Of course, it was Matthew Kachuk right there, you know, <laughs> definitely always. making contact with Mike Smith. Uh, both, guy, both guys are fighting for that net. They both want it. And it was interesting to see how everything played out in warm-up on Tuesday night because it was Miko Koskinen that led the team onto the ice. And generally, that, that tells you who's starting. Mm-hmm. And it was Miko Koskinen that did get the start. But uh, both goalies weren't, like, tipping their – hat to who was getting the start because they're kind of lingering around the bench and I was on the pregame show and our afternoon host was down at the rink and he was kind of giving us this funny play-by-play about well I don't know who's going off (laughs) now they're kind of they're toying with everybody and I I think perhaps that Dave Tippett has already begun the mind games for Jeremy Carlton because it was Mike Smith in net to start all three games against the Blackhawks and the Hawks beat the Oilers two out of three games that they faced each other. Both of those, of course, coming in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, and I've mentioned that the Oilers weren't particularly good in that game on March 5th, uh, where, where Chicago chased Mike Smith. Miko Koskinen came in, held the fort. But by then, the game was already yeah, the out of reach for the Oilers. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it's a mental thing that, that Dave Tippett's already trying to uh, is still into this series. Who knows? I could be reading. It's working on me. Papers. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and now all of a sudden we have all this mystery and intrigue going into Saturday, which is just fine because it gets the juices flowing. It's, it stirs the pot. People are talking about it. And, and everyone's curious. But 
it seems like, at least from an Oilers point of view, that the team has a lot of confidence in either one of those guys. And for the most part this season, both of those guys, Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith, have really given this Oilers club a chance to win on most nights. And, and that's all you can ask for. And I think that's probably what Chicago wants out of Corey Crawford. Uh, let the skill guys come in and do what they need to do. Just make the save, especially mm-hmm. when we need it, and give us a chance up front to, to make it happen. And, and speaking of that, too, I wanted to ask you about the young guys that we talked about yesterday. You know, Debrinkit, Kubalik, who had two against St. Louis, Strom, who scored. Uh, Kajula is another guy we've talked about. Alex Nylander. Did any of those guys really impress you? Does it look like they're ready for this five-game series? Uh, potentially against the Everton Oilers. Dominic Kubelik looked like the Blackhawks' best player right from the get-go. He was dominant, and uh, he actually, what I like, uh, what I really liked to see was that Jeremy Colleton, before the game, he moved Kubelik back up to that top line with Jonathan Taze and Brandon Saad, mm-hmm. which is right where he should be. They were fantastic in the second half of the season. He bumped to bring it down to the third line, and it really made a difference. The Blackhawks had all their forward lines rolling, but Dominic Kubalik was really impressive, Tom. And also Kirby Doc lived up to the hype that he's been getting in training camp. He was noticeably stronger on the puck. He got some power play time and picked up a really nice assist on Kubalik's first power play goal. So I thought both those guys looked tremendous. Alex Nylander was, was pretty, was pretty decent. He had some nice plays on the back check. He forced a couple turnovers in uh, the Oilers defensive zone. So that was good to see from Nylander. He still has a couple boneheaded moves. He does every game. That's just kind of the guy he is where I'm just like, what are you doing? Like he, I have one (laughs) or two of those a game where I'm like, Nylander, what are you doing? bud? like, you have all the talent in the world. I know you can do this, but just make some questionable plays, but he still had a pretty nice performance. Really nice to see Dylan Strom get a goal as well. So I thought the Blackhawks young guys, played really well against St. Louis and that's the kind of effort and performance they're going to need against the Edmonton Oilers if they hope to pull off the upset Tom. Jack Bushman from Locked On Blackhawks and Tom Gazzola from Locked On Oilers coming at you as we get set for the Oilers and Blackhawks series which kicks off on Saturday 1 p.m. Mountain Time 2 p.m. Central and I know both fan bases are just raring to go for this one. Jack, we talked about the young forwards. We talked about the game overall. We talked about the goaltending when it comes to the Blackhawks. 4-0 win over St. Louis on Wednesday. Edmonton had a 4-1 win over Calgary mm-hmm. Tuesday night. Let's, let's quickly focus on the defense for the Chicago Blackhawks. This is something that you said is an area of concern for this club. How did it hold up and perform against St. Louis the other night? They actually held up pretty well. I thought Duncan Keith and Adam Boquist looked pretty solid together. They received the majority of the minutes on that top pairing. And then also Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan, they both have missed a chunk of time this training camp due to injuries. And uh, well, uh, DeHaan was out because of a family emergency, actually. Mm-hmm. But both guys did miss time in training camp. So they were a little rusty in the first period. DeHaan took two penalties in the opening 12 minutes, I believe. But as the game went on, they got better as they got a little more comfortable with game action again. So overall, I was really happy with what I saw out of the Blackhawks defense and allowing the St. Louis Blues to put up only 21 shots on goal, including only four in the third period. That's best case scenario for me. I'll say this about the Blues, and I kind of want to get your take too, but Jake Allen on that second Kuba League goal, that was an absolute stinker Gross. through the seven hole. And, you know, <laughs> Jake Allen um, – you. He's a backup goalie for a reason. When they did give him the reins in St. Louis, they were the last place team 
mm-hmm. a, uh, a season ago. And then until Jordan Bennington really came in and solidified that spot on the roster, uh, that team was uh, without a paddle, lost at sea. Right. And they then tough. they go on to win the Stanley Cup because the roster in front of it was that good. Uh, I just, you know, that's my take on it. But what did you make of the Blues and their performance uh, really quickly? Because I know the Flames pushed back pretty good against the Oilers on Tuesday, and those are bitter rivals like the Blues and the Blackhawks. The Blues kind of fell flat in that second half of the game. Like I said, they were down multiple goals in the third period, and they only put up four shots on Malcolm Subban, who's a guy you really want to pepper. You know you can squeak a couple through on him. So it was kind of a – if I were a Blues fan, it was a discouraging effort for sure, especially after Jordan Bennington left the game. Jake Allen came in, and that was a horrible goal he allowed. Dominic Kubelik to score for his second power play goal of the game. A really weak goal, and it just looked like once Bennington went out of the contest, the team didn't have much much energy. They Mm -hmm. they weren't skating. The boys weren't buzzing at all. They weren't doing the things that the St. Louis Blues normally do. I, I couldn't believe that they only put up four shots on Malcolm Subban in the third period. Um, it is an exhibition game, Tom, but at the same time, you only get one of them. So it was interesting to see that the Blues kind of fell flat, to be honest. I'm wondering if if a team like St. Louis that is in the round robin series maybe looks at this mm-hmm. exhibition game yesterday and then the, the round robins themselves is maybe a four-game exhibition in itself and they don't really care about the seeding because they could face any team really depending on how the qualifying rounds go. So maybe the blues are easing into it a little bit, um, but you know, good on the Blackhawks for playing the way they did. And, and I'm sure that gives a lot of people confidence going into this series against the Oilers, Uh, an unexpected win maybe. And, And all of a sudden I know here in Edmonton, people are looking at that and going, Oh, maybe this isn't a cakewalk for the Oilers, and 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 rightly so. That's probably good to to sharpen up the Oilers' mindset and be like, hey, we can't just turn it on or turn it off, and and to completely rely on our talent to win this series. Now, having said that, Jack, I want to ask you uh, your prediction for this series, and how do you think this Oilers Blackhawks series will play out starting Saturday? Oof, there's going to be a lot of determining factors. I think a couple things I jotted down that I wanted to talk about. I think the big head-to-head matchups we're going to see that are going to determine the series. I think it's going to come down to whether Jonathan Taze and David Camp's line can stop the Oilers' top six. We know what that offense can do. And I also think that it's going to come down to which defense will help out their goaltender more. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I don't think the defense is the strong, strong suit for either of these teams, but which defense can rise to the occasion and help out their goaltender more. And I think it's also going to come down to the special teams play. Can the Hawks power play match the Oilers? Because you know, at some point they're going to get theirs. And if not, it, it could be a long series, but Tom, if the Hawks played like they did last night, I think they can without a doubt pull off the upside of the Oilers. But at the same time, I'm just not too confident that they're going to be able to play that consistent throughout the series. We never really saw them consistently perform through a handful of games in the regular season. We saw performances like this in the regular season where they beat good teams dominantly. And then we saw them lose to the Detroit Red Wings. So (laughs) you don't know what team's going to show up. So for me, something in the back of my head, I I want the Hawks to win so badly, but I feel like this is going to be an Oilers series in five games. But if the Hawks come ready to play, I definitely think they can take this series in five games as well. Like the Blackhawks, the Oilers uh, missed opportunities against the Detroit Red Wings this season. Gave away points, as we like to say. So hurt. It's it's awful, isn't it? That's a terribly awful team in Detroit. But having said that, well, I'm looking at this series, and and you bring up the defense, and both both 
team's defense, uh, you know, could be suspect at times. And can the Oilers blue line hold off the Hawks attack? Can the Oilers goaltenders, whichever ones get the starts in games, because it sounds like we will likely see both guys Mm -hmm. make those saves at the key times in the games. And then I think if the Oilers are to be successful, they're going to have to find ways to expose Chicago's defense. It's, it's going to have to be both the McDavid line and the dry sidle line, just picking on whatever weaknesses they see in Chicago's defense and just creating and buzzing and making as much havoc in front of the net as possible. And then capitalizing on those opportunities. If the Oilers, ease off at all and rest on their laurels and get it in their head for some reason that they just should win Jack, then I could see Chicago pulling this off, but I don't think that's going to happen. The Oilers have been razor sharp throughout training camp and uh, at times on Tuesday against Calgary. I think Edmonton walks away in four games with this series. You guys got big Jesus, so I can't argue with you. <laughs> and he looks like he is jacked and ready to go. You weren't lying, dude. You said he looked scary, and then he made Noah Hannafin look so dumb on that second goal he scored. I was like, oh, boy. And, and you know what? Noah, Noah Hannafin's not in a, uh, no, a specific no. <laughs> and small group of players because uh, Connor McDavid has been able to do that to a lot of defensemen, and I feel like we're going to be seeing him adding to that list throughout his career. But Jack, this is going to be two sharp young teams with some absolute studs at forward, some of the game's best, and uh, in Chicago, some proven winners, and in Edmonton, guys who are hungry to do what the Hawks were able to do in the early half of uh, the 2010s. I I can't wait to see the puck drop on Saturday, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure doing the crossover series with you, and uh, we should do it again, obviously. And let's enjoy this series, my friend. Yeah, definitely. I, puck drop cannot come soon enough. We're barely over 48 hours away. Got the, got the clock ticking down. I got the timer on my phone. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Um, yeah, definitely, Tom. I, this was a lot of fun. I would definitely love to have another episode, maybe talk about the series as it goes on next week. I think that's doable. And I think that uh, a few social sparklers during the game, crack a brew or two during you know, every game is also doable, my friend. Absolutely. I'm going to have a couple, without a doubt. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Thursday, July 30th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to subscribe and follow the Locked On Blackhawks and Locked On Oilers podcasts for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episodes as soon as they come out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Locked On NHL podcast For all the latest news about the return of hockey in just 48 hours, guys, we are two days away from postseason hockey returning here in the NHL. As always, I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708 653 0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks again for listening.